Hello and welcome back to Coffee with a Shot of Cynicism, the Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Jeffrey. I'm Eleni. And this week we are discussing episode six of season four, An Affair to Remember, um, aka also known as The Study Tree. This fucking study tree. I can't. I have a lot of feelings about that. But but there are other things that happen. Yeah, no. So the main thing that I want to talk about this week is the study fucking tree. Because, fuck you. (laughs) But also, yeah, there's obviously a lot of other things that happened. But this one was... So, you know, last episode when I was super annoyed at Lorelai? This episode, I'm like, fuck you, Rory. But anyways... We'll yeah, it's, it, we, we see now a lot of those feelings, and, like, it comes and goes in terms of which character we're, we're going to project it onto. Like, we just hate, it's, there's, like, one episode each week where it's like, we fucking hate you. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but um, I don't know if it's season four in general. The reason I like it so much is because it makes me feel so many things versus other seasons. Yeah. For sure. Like the emotions get stronger than in season one, two, three, right? I have I'm I have much harder opinions this season than I do in earlier seasons. I feel like it's because like a, the the story the the storyline becomes a bit more like adult focused. Yeah. So like it res I think it resonates for young adults and resonates just for in a different family kind of way. So uh, you know anyone who can relate to the Gilmore Girls, I find in season four you kind of you have that more you have a bit more of a passionate sense of feeling I don't know if it's also because you know I was also a little bit older when season four aired and maybe going through you know my own things with revolving school because school is a really big topic in this episode as well Mm -hmm. um I don't know but like season one two and three seemed seemed a little bit tamer emotion wise to me and I'm I'm I just remember being very, very invested in season four. Yeah. And being like, oh my god, you know. <laughs> and even with like all of the love tri- the love triangle drama in like seasons two and three, that compared to the emotions in season four is just like worlds apart, in my opinion. Yeah, because I think in like seasons two and three, even with the with the Jess Dean Rory thing, it would it still seemed very high school. Yeah. And still very like teen drama. Whereas now, on the surface, they, the problems may seem a little bit um, less, I don't know, tragic, less less grown up. I don't know. I don't know what to call it. <laughs> it's like, let me a little less mel- like teen melodramatic in terms of yeah. the teen drama. So they, yes, they may seem a little bit less like hysterical metal- melodramatic. But for me, they're, they'll always resonate more because they're more real life. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah, I mean, I've said, I mean, I've already said it before. Like season four resonates with me a lot because I see so much of myself in Rory in this season, and and that's also part of the reason why I have a lot of feelings about the study tree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, anyways, we'll we'll get to the study tree. But yeah, you you had something you wanted to say. Um. Not in particular about like anything other than Gilmore Girls. We're actually just going to discuss the episode this week. Um, uh-huh. Look at us. <laughs> um, I want my first question about this episode is uh, why do people continue to be surprised that Lorelai doesn't tell her parents about her life? Like when Suki is is surprised once again that Lorelai never told her about their their their, their catering business. It's like, are you, like really? Are we still surprised? Yeah. Like, 
so the, the the first thought I had with that was like fucking Suki keeps spilling the beans on like major life events. Yeah, and I would just think I would just think that Suki knows with no Lorelai better at this point. Well, that's the thing. Part of me is is very um, surprised, like you, that Suki just keeps doing this because it's like, hello, do you know your friend at all? Mm-hmm. And then another part of me is like, well, maybe Suki, like me, is tired of Lorelai's shit. And is like, just fucking talk to your parents? Yes, uh, possibly. Um, she's also a flake. We've said that a lot. Yeah, and I think it just comes from a place of just not really giving it any, not really giving it that much thought where it's like, oh, of course I told her. Like, why wouldn't you, t- like, she's your mom. Like, why wouldn't you talk to your mom? Like, obviously, Laura, like, I would expect if it was me, I would expect my friend, if, if I was as close as Lorelai and Suki are, I would, I would expect my friend to know. Like, don't just go blur out things to my mom. I mean, that is kind of juvenile, like you said, for a 30-something-year-old woman. But at the same time, I kind of understand. So I think it's different. I think when it pertains to something like this, like a business, you know, you would maybe assume you tell your mom that you've, in in Suki's defense, I'm saying, she would maybe assume that Lorelai would tell her that she's done like a career, not change, but, you know, like, She's doing something different. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Suki's defense in season one, I think you would also assume that you told your mom you're getting engaged. Season two, excuse me. Yeah. yeah you know? um, but yeah, that being said, I obviously wouldn't blurt something out to my friend's mother. Mm-hmm. But I think we can cut Suki some slack. And I'll never say that again, by the way. <laughs> But I think we can. I think we can cut Suki some slack because they're like major life events, right? You never yeah. assume that you're going to keep major life events from from their parents. Yeah, and I think maybe if if it was, for example, like if if the the roles were very reversed and, um, you know, Rory hate, Rory didn't tell Lorelai things and Lane would assume like oh why didn't you tell your mom like I feel like says like Lane and Roy are teenagers so like a teenager would probably think like okay I'm not gonna go tell her mom like who does that yeah but, like Suki and Lorelai are grown-ass women so maybe the inclination to just assume you tell your mom about major life events I you know it, it's a bit more understandable absolutely but I, I do think it still applies like Suki just doesn't think of these things yeah she just doesn't you know I don't know she's just like and and it's like we said a few weeks ago like it's only it becomes only so much clearer when you analyze each episode that the like the emotion like the amount of emotional investment I have in Suki is minimal like so low like I've like like we said we have no interest in in ever saying like Suki deserves a spinoff like never we ever think that you know yeah listen that that could also be just the way the character is portrayed she's really not that interesting but we also you know in the past have touched upon you know the fat best friend (laughs) yeah nobody's very invested in like because she's there for comedic relief right she's not there to be anything deeper than what we see on the screen yeah um but yes, I, I also kind of agree with you that like, just assume when it comes to Lorelai, who you think, who who you keep saying is your best friend, just assume she doesn't tell her parents shit, okay? Exactly. Please. <laughs> God. Um, 
But that being said, that whole storyline with the independent catering company and Lorelai is like, I sent you a flyer. Like, she's not <laughs> fucking committed to the lie. Like, at this point, you just have to give it to her. Like, she's... Oh, no, for sure. <laughs> like, it said... what? Is it? Oh, really? You sent me a flyer. What did it say on it? Uh, come and get it. <laughs> come and get it. <laughs> and all I could think of in that moment was, like, that ridiculous Selena Gomez song where it's like, if you're ready, come. Like, no, no. that Don't put that on a flyer. Oh my god. Yeah, there, so the thing with this episode is like, you know last episode when I was so upset with Lorelai? Mm-hmm. I was just like, you're being so fucking petty. Fuck you. Like, you know, I have ups and downs with this show. Oh, really? That's news to me. Oh, news. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Shocking. Um, no, but what I'm saying is like, there are some episodes where, I don't know if it's done on purpose, where you're meant to feel that way. Mm-hmm. Like, last episode where I was just like, oh, my God, you're the fucking worst. And then this episode, I'm just like, fucking Lorelai, you got to give it to her. Wow. <laughs> so committed to the lie. You know what I mean? Yeah, it comes. it's like ebbs and flows. It's like one episode where so irate that she can't just grow up and yeah. be, a, be a grown up and be an adult. And then there's other times where it's like, you know what? You have Like, obviously, Lorelai would do that. Like, of course, that's our Lorelai. We get it. For sure. And I think you have to credit the writers for that. Yeah, I think that's very intentional. Mm-hmm. They have a really, they have a really good way of, you know, throwing in the just enough nuance to say like, oh, this is just a quirky Lorelai thing, haha. Versus, no, I'm actually very frustrated with an adult woman who can't communicate. <laughs> yeah. So. I feel, and I feel like it depends on the situation too. Like. Yeah. If it's just this little thing where it's about a catering company, like it's not. Like I don't feel like it's it's that deep, and I think that's why in this episode we're not as mad with Lorelai for not telling her mother and we get why she didn't tell her mother because she's not she's not the kind of person to tell her mother anything important or otherwise about her life so it's like of course Lorelai didn't tell her yeah uh, but at the same time uh it's funny to, to then watch her be like oh of course I, I sent a flyer last week like no you didn't. I was also really insulted that you didn't tell me any like she flipped it too and I was like <laughs> fucking Lorelai man <laughs> Yeah, so um, you got you kind of got to admire her balls on that one. Yeah. You know, both of them were, like, not buying it, but it was just funny to see. Um, and also in the case of your mother hiring you as a, like, as a caterer, I totally understand Lorelai's apprehension in this case, whereas in other times I'm like, seriously, grow up and stop being so immature. But in this case, I'm like, of course, you, we've seen how difficult Emily is when she hires anybody, let yeah, alone no, a caterer. I, I, for sure, I completely get it. Um, I think her apprehension is very much warranted in this case. Mm-hmm. Because Emily is a very demanding person. Uh, but can we talk about the fact that Lorelai wanted to be treated like any other caterer? Like you walked right in, you walked right into that one, honey. But that's the thing! <laughs> like, you're like, mother, we're any, just treat us like any other company that like you would be hiring, you know? And then she gets upset when she has to do a tasting, right? But you know how your mother is. Don't offer that if you know how your mother is. You've seen your mother snap at a waiter for not putting cheese in individual bags. (laughs) You think she's not going to make you do a a test run? Come on. (laughs) I think that's, I think Lorelai, a part of Lorelai knows that she walked right into it. Like, especially when they're doing the tasting, it's like, She's just making those, like, sarcastic comments like only she can. It's like, you know that she walked, you know that she knows she walked right into this. And 
but it's just like, but I can't even be mad. And I think that's what I wanted to say. I can't even be mad at this point because I'm like, oh, that's just comedic at this point because I don't know. I, I give credit a lot to the writers in this season too, that they can keep flipping my emotions back and forth like that. <laughs> Like when um, she's like, play, okay, play's going bye bye. Like you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, don't ask your mother to treat you like a, another catering company if mm-hmm. you're gonna bitch that she makes you use the servants' quarters. <laughs> <laughs> like her, like, their faces, like. <laughs> yeah, who has servants' quarters? Like I think we we underestimate underestimate can't even under underestimate <laughs> the the size of the Gilmore House. Like it's. A mansion, and of course there's a servants' quarters like that. No, but like, sense. who still uses servants' quarters? I'm like Gilmore, apparently. Oh, that I think she did to piss her off. I don't think she actually makes people use the servants' quarters. I'm sorry. <laughs> but you know, like they both give as good as they get, so I can yes. totally see where Lorelai gets it all from. They do. Um, okay, so the whole reason that Emily wants to hire Lorelai and Suki is for Richard's launch party. Yes, launch party. So, yeah, because Richard and Jason are making their partnership official, and Emily is going the traditional route of throwing a big um, shindig to make it official, to, I don't know, present their business to society like it's some kind of fucking cotillion. I don't know. I don't pretend to understand what rich people do, like... What the fuck? I don't get it. It gives me very, like, this whole, their whole setup of, like, t- hiring a photographer to take a picture of them signing the documents. Like, yeah, that was just, fucking weird. <laughs> they're, first of all, they're not politicians. So I don't think that's, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not a businessman. I'm not a business person. Wouldn't know. But um, I would think that I maybe not everyone in the present day requires an official photo of you signing the documents to make your business venture official like you know what's hilarious to me so this is a company so this is a one-man operation bringing on another man yeah you know it's not a fucking multi-million dollar corporation it's not like pepsi bought i don't know like name any other company you know what (laughs) i mean like you don't need to document this for years to come what do you think it's going in the national archives uh, uh, well, if you ask Emily, probably yes. Oh my God! Like that whole thing to me was just like, this is just hiring somebody to hire somebody, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't even know. I don't even think my brother had a picture of him signing his wedding certificate. <laughs> like even that would like understandable for like for the wedding album, but but like as a business. Yeah, no, not even as a business. It's a man acquiring a man. Yeah. <laughs> It's like a gigolo. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that whole thing was crazy. Um, you know, when when Jason starts telling Emily, oh, it's a cute little idea to have the photographer there. Mm. You can tell she's super insulted. <laughs> and from that moment, like even from the beginning, but from this moment specifically, you know, Emily does not enjoy Jason. Mm-mm. And like, for good reason. Yeah, I know. But it's just, I I get it. Because, so throughout this whole episode, you, the photographer, you know, the signing, the, the launch party, the guest list, you know, like all these, that's Emily's job, I think people forget. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, and th- that's why I really like Lorelai's speech at the end. Yeah. 
for as much as Lorelai bitches and, you know, has said that her mother doesn't do much and she plans parties and whatever, I think she really does understand that it's her job, right? Yeah. <laughs> Anytime her husband needs anything, she's there to to provide for him. Mm-hmm, exactly. Um, and you and I, and I think that's what Lorelai was trying to get at, you and I may not think it's a job, but for Emily Gilmore, she takes it very seriously and she puts pride in her job, right? Yeah. So the fact that even from the get-go, before even the launch party is discussed, even from the get-go, this this photographer and Jason kind of belittles her and says it's a very cute idea. Um, you know, I, I understand why she would feel the sting of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I think for her, I've, I've always enjoyed the fact that Emily's very classy and she's going to do what she's going to do regardless of what people have to say. Yeah. If in her mind it's the right thing to do, she's going to do it, right? So, yeah, yeah, you call my little photo opportunity cute. I know that it's the appropriate thing in her mind. It's the appropriate thing to do, so we're going to do it anyways. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, even so, and even so, like, even jumping ahead to later when Jason cans the whole party it took mm-hmm. all together like it was just just so disrespectful the way he was talking down about um like talking down to her and just talking down cocktail parties and oh tired sh- like black tie events blah, blah blah like you know for a fact that emily gilmore is pro all those things yeah and it was it was just really rude and not like i'm again not a fan of any of any of any of the parties that uh, Emily Gilmore throws personally, but like they all look like, the same. But like you said, she's a cla- like as a character, she's a classy woman, like cons- like traditionally conservative in that way in terms of how you throw a party and how you like how things are done mm-hmm. in business and whatever. Like she takes that role very seriously, as we already said. So it's just it's just it's rude and it's disrespectful the way that he just says like, oh well, now you can sit home and relax. Like no. Yeah. Um, but I think the the other part of that is like the class part also comes out in the fact that um, it's also not her job to question her husband, right? Mm-hmm. That might seem very archaic to us. Um, and in fact, it is archaic. Um, but, you know, as soon as Richard's on board with what Jason wants to do, she's like, you know what? This is what my husband wants. I have to scrap the whole thing. Which is, and you see how you see how hard that is for her when she goes to Lorelai's house and I I like that scene for many reasons including yes. the including the what's next tasty on your a, a brassiere saying tasty on it <laughs> um by the way juicy tracksuits never cute no and maybe not even cute. in 2003 was no, never cute they were never fucking cute guys okay <laughs> um but you can see like especially since Emily knows that she put her daughter and her friend through this whole song and dance and I think Lorelai gets it when she says, like, you're right, it is rude, like, it is rude to cancel, and or it, it is wrong to cancel. Yeah. And she's like, okay, as long as you agree that it's wrong, and then she realizes that it's a little deeper than Lorelai Gilmore and her problems. Yeah, I think, so that whole scene where Jason's talking about Atlantic City, um, and Lorelai's right, you put her out of work, right? Mm-hmm. It just made her feel unnecessary, like, it made her feel unnecessary. Yeah. Where for all these years, they've been married almost 40 years. She's been the person to take care of this stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, And I love the fact that Emily was having a vulnerable moment with Lorelai. It was very sweet. And I loved, I doubly loved the fact that Lorelai stuck up for her mom, right? 
Mm-hmm. And I think I've said it before, but I think this is more true. This is where Emily's resentment towards Richard starts to grow. I, yeah, like especially like maybe not like yeah, like I was gonna say maybe um, from the moment the partnership with Jason like it makes it makes Jason makes Richard go in a less traditional route, and Emily's like, who's this person that I'm married to? Well, yeah, so I think a part of it is very much, um, you know, Richard kind of throwing caution to the wind, saying, yeah, Atlantic City is great. You know, so all these little changes that that Jason brings out in Richard mm-hmm. um, kind of, like you said, make Emily question, like, what the fuck? This is not the man I married. But I think in this moment, especially when, when Richard is agreeing with Jason about how parties are stuffy and maybe it would be a good idea to take the clients to Atlantic City, um, I feel like Emily in that moment would have really loved for Richard to stand up for her. Yeah. And maybe not agree with the fact that, you know, he knows how much work goes into these parties, right? Yeah. He's seen his wife in action, you know? He's seen, the like, she had floral arrangements and candles, and I need your invite list, and is it okay if we, you know? So I think as much as she prefers to kind of defer to her husband sometimes, mm-hmm. um. I think it's normal that in this case she would have been like, well, it would have been nice. You know how much work went into it. It's next week. Like already the whole planning is underway. Uh, You know, I think it just would have been nice for Richard to kind of say, I don't know, we can do both. I don't know. Try to find a compromise. I don't know what she would have wanted, but I know that that's, that's not what she wanted. Right. Yeah. And I would also argue that there's very few instances in the earlier seasons where, Richard stands up for Emily in the way that the audience would want him to. Like, I feel yeah. like the only the only example comes to mind is when um, Richard is telling Lorelai about how when Lorelai first left home, like she like Emily couldn't get out of couldn't get out of bed. And mm-hmm. I might even call that like standing up for just kind of like letting Lorelai in on the pain that her actions did cause. And like, that's not really the same thing. So. I'm sure there are like small instances that aren't coming to mind right now where Richard does stand up for his wife. But in terms of, I think think we've also spoken about the fact that there are very important instances Mm -hmm. where he should stand up for her and he doesn't. And the most notable ones are when his mother is treating her like absolute dirt. Oh my gosh. Yes. Like I should have said that first and foremost. Yeah. He's just like, ha ha, that's tricks. Like, like, and you're like, no, no. Yeah. And I think, like, because we know what happens in season four, so there's, like, little moments throughout the season where he doesn't stick up for her and he kind of undermines her decisions and she's already feeling down. Mm-hmm. And then that all comes to a head when when Trix happily dies. Yeah. And But we'll get to that. But, I mean, like, I think he's kind of... It, we're, we're chipping away at it, like, from the beginning right now, you know? Yeah. Find a box, throw and we're done. Yeah, well, that's the best line ever. But anyways, let us move on. Um, okay, so I want to talk about Kirk. Okay, yes. So um, we first see Kirk in this episode when he's selling mailboxes. I want, I want a Kirk mailbox, first okay, of all. Okay, so I was just about to say, I fucking love them. <laughs> <laughs> like, so on brand for Stars Hollow. <laughs> oh, my God, I love it. Even the Condoleezza Rice one. I love how she's like, is that Condoleezza Rice? No, I don't want it. <laughs> oh, my God. I just, I honestly, I love them. There are a lot of Republicans there, though. 
<laughs> maybe that's a joke. Like, like, remember how we said in season three the writers started to get a bit more political? Like, I'm wondering if at this point it was a joke that they made mailboxes out of republic, like notable, notable Republican figures. Because there was George Bush, there was Reagan, and there was Condoleezza. Yes. So like but, maybe it's like, kind of like making a mockery out of them. Sorry. I was no, I was saying like maybe it's like making a mockery out of like a quiet mockery out of the Republican figures. Cause at that point Bush would have been president. Right. So. Yeah. But I'm also like, Kirk, are you a Republican? Cause I have to rethink my, my love for you. Yeah. Mm-mm. I don't know. That's, that's, that's a slippery slope. I'm one, like, I we know, know for sure, we know for sure Taylor Dosey is a Republican. Oh, mama mia. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I fucking love those mailboxes. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't know. Mailboxes. I feel like mailboxes in the States are a much bigger thing than they are in Canada. I think so. Especially like the mailbox at the end of the driveway kind of deal. Yes. That's so like quintessential small town. I love it. Yeah. It's much. It's, I, I, I mean, I don't know if anybody in America wants to confirm or confirm or deny with us. I, I feel like mailboxes at the end of the driveway. It's a bit more of an American tradition. And it's just so like quaint. Yeah. Like, I have to go into a fucking long hallway and open this tiny little cubby to get my mail. And, like, I just, I, I want loveliness. <laughs> and, I know, and I do know in a lot of, like, major Canadian cities that with Canada Post, they've, uh, in the last five five or six years, they've, um, they've put in more community mailboxes in neighborhoods as yeah. opposed to, like, door-to-door actual delivery I remember when we got like when we when we got our community mailbox in our neighborhood it was like it was a big deal mostly because everywhere else the boxes have been put in like perfect spots like oh that one looks great there ours is in a bush practically like it's so <laughs> it's so out of the way like you if it's dark outside you don't see it because like the street light is behind, is like ahead of the bush so you don't really see it it's in the dark like it was a bit of a letdown but in general, the, our community mailboxes are nice, but I do miss the, you know, the quintessential mailman coming to the door and handing me my letters. Like, <laughs> yeah, my, at my mom's house, it's still next to our door. Yeah. Uh, but I know a lot of people that I know are like you, that they got community mailboxes and it just takes the fun out of receiving mail. Yeah. Because it becomes a chore at the end of the day. <laughs> and it's like, it's also, it's. Like there's sometimes where like if you get like an Amazon package, it still comes straight to the straight to the door, but it's not the same thing. It's no, I mean like actual mail because my uncle only goes to check his mailbox once a week, <laughs> so um because it's quite far actually, so he'll do it like on his drive back from work at night on a Friday or something. Mm-hmm. And I know that sometimes when I send him something, I'm I'm always waiting like oh did he get it did he get it and I'm like well, I'm <laughs> waiting for him to tell me if he got it or not. Yeah. Ugh. Anyways, whatever. That was just me saying I love Kirk's mailbox. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the other part of the Kirk, the other part of the episode involving Kirk is that Kirk is going on his first date mm-hmm. with Lulu. Yes, first appearance of Lulu. So we get introduced to Lulu, and um, you know what I wrote down in my notes? <laughs> um, because I wrote so Lulu is. We learned that Lulu is Kirk's. Kirk's brother's ex-girlfriend. She's like, oh, that's a, that's, a, that's a bit of a downer. Yeah, so I was like, this is an episode of Paternity Court waiting to happen. Oh my god. <laughs> because believe it or not, there are episodes of Paternity Court where two brothers could potentially be the father. 
Oh my gosh, I haven't heard you and your ramblings about maternity court in a couple of weeks, so. I've been very <laughs> depressed. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so just when he says it's his brother's ex-girlfriend, that's what came to mind. But also, of course, that's, it did. <laughs> well, obviously. Um, and I just I, I love this storyline because why did so many people have to explain things to Kirk? Like it's, Laura's like, well, you should wear you know this, and you should go somewhere where you're comfortable, and Luke's like. Well, maybe don't do, like, why do people have to explain social interactions to you, Kirk? I know. He's like, it's peak social awkwardness. And it's like, as I in this episode, it's cute. And other, but in other times, it's like, Kirk, fuck off. Like, get out of my face. So the reason I think it's cute in this episode is because I, I think we kind of like the effort that he's going to. Mm-hmm. To show this girl a good time because he actually genuinely likes her. Yeah. Um. So I think we appreciate the effort, right? That's why it's cute. And other times where he's just being Kirk and like, for, well, we're talking about mail. Remember that episode where he fucked up the mail? Oh. Yeah. So well, that like they're waiting for the they're waiting for him to give Rory like her is is it her acceptance letter and she's yeah he's like oh look this one's for me <laughs> one for yeah. Kirk like no give my mail god damn it so that's an ep- that's an episode and that's a scene where Kirk is just like fuck yourself Kirk but. <laughs> This is also very just super cute and endearing. Um, is it creepy that he's practicing his date on a video camera? A little. Yes. <laughs> but is, is it cute because you know that he's awkward and just trying to, you know, do a good job on his... Fr- I don't know. It's kind of cute, right? Yeah. Like, it's 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 in, like it's endearing, like you said, that he's so committed to how he looks and how he's talking that he wants to watch himself back practicing beforehand yeah and he keeps yelling cut at the camera <laughs> like, like uh nobody's 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 watching you but you right now but also why do you have to yell cut to yourself just cut in your head like i don't understand you're the only person there <laughs> oh my god i don't know it's just it's so funny in this episode because yeah, like we said, there are there are definitely times where Kirk can piss us off. I don't know. This was not one of them. And I think again that that's credit to the writers, right? Mm-hmm. Because they know they know when it's cute and they know when it's annoying. And they know when to sprinkle it in. So And I have to say on the topic of Star's Hollow characters either be either being cute or goddamn annoying. Mm-hmm. I have to say that I don't think Taylor Dosey ever has an endearing or cute moment. It's always goddamn annoying. Ooh, I would hold on to that thought. Would I? Because I'm even even in the in the in, even in the, in the later seasons, it's still. And I, if you're thinking of when he loses and he's crying over over the town selectman election, even then I'm like, no, fuck off. Oh well, you have no heart. Okay, well you know what? He, he was a tyrant, and he you know. But, well, I'll just, you know what? We'll just put a pin in that. Yes, please. Because <laughs> coming up. Um, yeah, so I, I like the fact that even though Luke knows he's crazy, mm-hmm. he's willing to kind of, you know, play along. <laughs> he's willing to entertain their He's family. willing to en- entertain his crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I do love the fact that he comes behind the counter and he's like, what the fuck is going on? Why does she like me? <laughs> Is she still there? Is she still there? Is who still there? Like, yeah, like Kirk, what the fuck? <laughs> so I, I, I do actually kind of like this. I, I love the. I don't know if it's 
I don't know if I've said this before, but I do love the fact that Luke, while still being very like, get the fuck out kind of thing, mm-hmm. like get the fuck out from the counter and like, don't do this. And like being very like gruff is also very, very soft at times. Yeah. Like, but it's, not it's, just Lorelai. Like, we see it a lot with Lorelai and Rory, but he's very soft with a lot of people. <laughs> it's like he he reserves it for specific moments, and it's almost like it's almost like us with the misogyny card. Like he plays it when when we don't ex- when we don't expect it. Yeah, basically. But um, I I don't know. I just I like the fact that he he, he I don't know. He's just like it's fine. Like everything's fine. She likes you, and he's like, you take that back. <laughs> oh my god anyways i don't know i think that's how i would freak out too on a date post corona jesus I, <laughs> that and also i think socially awkward people just see him just like see themselves represented in kirk in this moment where it's like i, I think she likes you you take that back like it's like the voice yeah. in your head are like she fucking hates you so i think this is a really great time to remind people that people with anxiety often think that everyone hates them yeah um so if you didn't know hmm. Um, I, for example, always have these moments during the day, every day, where I say something and my boss reacts and I'm like, oh my God, he fucking hates me. (laughs) (laughs) And like, there's actually no reason to think that. Yeah. Because we had a perfectly pleasant moment. But in my head, I'm like, idiot, never talk again. (laughs) (laughs) You know? So I think um, Kirk's anxiety is definitely showing in this. Like, he can't believe that somebody really likes him, you know? Yeah. It's like, it, and like and I, d- I think it depends on each person, each situation. But, like, in the situation, obviously, of a date where it's, like, Kirk, who's mostly been alone, most, mm-hmm. all, like, all of his life we're given to assume, other than his mother, <laughs> which doesn't count. Um, like, now someone's actually interested and he's just, like, wait, what? It's almost like imposter syndrome about yourself. Like, yeah, what? <laughs> I was going to say, he's like, what? I'm a catch? Excuse me? Yeah. So, but, you know, we, I don't think anyone's surprised that Kirk is a good guy, right? Um, except for maybe Kirk. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we've seen Kirk be sweet before. Mm-hmm. Uh, most notably and recently when he's protecting Lorelai in his little clown car. <laughs> but, um, listen, for as crazy as Lu- uh, Luke, for as crazy as Kirk is and, like, very socially awkward he's also very sweet and i can appreciate that and i find i only appreciate that more now as we analyze because like most of the time when i'm watching for the sake of watching it's like kirk and other stars hollow quirkiness is just gets on my nerves but i find in like this moment in particular and other little times that kind of get glossed over when you're watching just casually it's he he does have much more of a cuter side than we give him credit for yeah I agree. And I have to say, like, during the whole um, part where Kirk is acting out his date, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's still not, you know, it still doesn't make sense, even though I've said it 18 times. Um, I love that Luke is watching him. And then when Lorelai comes in and they have that whole conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the fact that in this show, the person with the most quirks, Lorelai, is doubting someone else's quirks. Yeah. I'm always like, Lorelai, shut the fuck up. You do worse things. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> I'm like, come on. You shouldn't be this surprised. Number one, everyone knows Kirk. Come on. Number two, you do stuff too. 
you have no right. You have no right to judge poor Kirk. And it's funny how none of, like, it's funny how most of the characters are so not self-aware of their quirks. And I think oh, that's what makes their quirks zero. so much quirkier. Uh, yes. <laughs> I say that like that because I think that's the beauty of Stars Hollow sometimes. Yeah. That they're like, of course we have a festival every fucking month. <laughs> of course we do a Purim festival. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's it's a very Stars Hollow thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think the outside character, like Paris, for example, that's just Paris. It's not, mm-hmm. like, she knows she's fucking batshit crazy, right? But that's just yeah. who she is. And with Richard and Emily, it's more like, well, this is how we were raised. This is high society. Yeah. You know? Uh, but with Stars Hollow, it's like we're all kind of kooky and we love it, but we don't we don't consider it kooky. We're just the town. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Um, one thing I will mention is during the actual date, you know, when um, <laughs> when Kirk goes behind the the bar or whatever, the, the counter mm-hmm. and he's telling Luke, like, I've been reenacting pretty in pink. <laughs> yeah. And Luke's like, oh, what part are you at? Are you at the part where this guy does this or this guy does this? You know what I kept thinking? What? I was like, you don't know what the FBI warning sign is, but you know the whole Pretty in Pink movie? That's a good point. <laughs> like, shut the fuck up, Luke. I was going to say, I actually thought it was cute how, uh, like, Luke knew. I mean, it doesn't make sense now that you pointed out because we just saw how he did, doesn't know FBI warnings or any movie ever. But I thought it was cute in the moment of, of how, like, he knows pretty in pink. It's like, oh, what party are you at? Oh, you're you're fine. Like, don't worry. Like, it's just like yeah, you've got plenty of material. Yeah, it's like he sees he sees the quirk and he sees he 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 relates to the movie and he can just you know like he he gets it. It's almost like you say something weird and the other person just gets the weird. You know? Yeah, that's also <laughs> very Stars Hollow where everybody kind of gets your weird. Yeah, exactly. You know, and everyone can kind of banter with you because they're all the same. Same same amount of weird, same kind of weird. I don't know. Both. <laughs> yeah, probably. Anyways, so I just found that very odd. That like one episode ago, you didn't know what the fucking FBI warning was, but now you know the entire Pretty in Pink movie. It's a good point. Whatever. Fine. <laughs> Fine. Be that way. I don't know. Uh, so right. shall we talk about the study tree? Yeah. So I was gonna say the last thing we really have to talk about, and I'm sure we're gonna take up a lot of air. Um, is the study tree. So the whole premise of the study tree is that, so Rory's taking five classes. Yes. Um, They discussed this in the beginning of the episode uh, with Emily and Richard, and Lorelai is insisting that Rory's taking too many classes, and Rory's like, no, it's fine, and Richard's like, no, of course it's fine. But it becomes abundantly clear that she's probably in way over her head, Yes. So the professor announces that there was an error in the syllabus and now she's behind in her reading and her dorm room is a mess and she can't study in her dorm. So she's trying to find somewhere to study, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, I personally think this has nothing to do with studying. And what I mean by that is that I think that, you know, when you're so overwhelmed. Yeah. That you procrastinate. Yes. So I personally think that Rory is just so overwhelmed that this like ruse of wanting to find the best place to study because it's such intense studying, like that's just her 
procrastinating at this point. Yes, 100%. And not even like also could be the flip side of that of she's now overwhelmed because she procrastinated. Not even that like we're like we're given to assume that she's now overwhelmed because the professor screwed up the syllabus, which by the way, um would not go over the same way in real life as it as it did in a in a television show. Like people would Oh, oh really? <laughs> Like, and the way that I saw it was that, like, maybe, like, a reading or two gets switched, like, gets switched, like, that's not a big deal, but, like, if a due date was wrong, like, you're gonna have hell to pay, like, people are not gonna take that quietly. Um, I've had both in university, so I like, have, it, like, it I've, depends, like, obviously, I think, and well, I mean, I have a lot to say about the study tree and all of it, and all that it implies, but, like, in terms of reading, I don't think it's that deep if it gets switched or pushed or whatever. But if a, yeah. due, date, if a due date is changed without notice or, like, oh, whoops, that's wrong. Haha, <laughs> it's due tomorrow. Like, no, it doesn't work like that. I remember once in um, in one of my history class seminars, the we had to do a book review. And the due date was, in the original syllabus, the due date was, like, a week from the day where I noticed. Yeah. And then I overheard some people talking about how it was due that Monday. <laughs> and I wasn't the only one who was very surprised. <laughs> <laughs> so I wrote an email to the teacher. Well, me and a couple of other people wrote an email to the teacher because there was two different versions of the syllabus. Mm-hmm. And she was understanding. And she was like, listen, if you have it ready, no problem. If not, take the whole time. Yeah. But it could also go another way. It could also be like, you know what? That's life. <laughs> Yeah, like, I think, I think maybe maybe I've been lucky in terms of I haven't really experienced a teacher who's been like, yeah, well, suck it up, or, oh, well, that's just how it goes, like, most teachers I've had, and I think in general, are most likely to be understanding, because, like, they also have to do work if you hand something in, so. No, I get it, and I mean, like, I think, for the most part, I've been very lucky, but I think in university, it's, 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 we're all adults at this point, and is what I think the professors are saying, you know, like you're an adult, manage your shit. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's what the the main theme of that little of that scene is 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 like, oh, for the first time Roy is realizing like, you know, shit shit happens, things change, like have yeah. to go with the punch, like roll with the punches and yeah. you know, yes, it's, not, it's very overwhelming sometimes. <laughs> yeah, this is not something you get the impression that this is not something that Rory and children would have had to deal with. Yeah. Um, she was always very much in control when she was in high school. And I think it's just goes to show you, I think they're tr- just trying to show you that stuff's not the same now, right? You're not in the same um, domain, let's say. <laughs> yeah, not, not the same environment or headspace, really. Exactly. So, you know, she goes to her dorm room and Janet is like squeaking on the, what is it, the trampoline? Yeah, trampoline. And Tana's watching CNN. <laughs> and Paris is fighting with Jamie over the phone, but she won't pick up the phone, so the phone just keeps ringing. Yeah. Um, but then my thing is, like, Lorelai's right. You should have gone to the library because then you just wasted a half an hour driving to Stars Hollow and a half an hour driving back to Yale when you realized you couldn't because Suki had turned your room into a fucking broccoli tarts museum. <laughs> you know, by the way, those fucking broccoli tarts look fucking disgusting right okay i wasn't sure if you would agree i was like they look fucking gross and why did you make so many of them like no never in a million years would i would i go to like a cocktail party you know in 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 another in another life um and see a broccoli tart and think "Mm, let me try that Mm, bro i have never once in my life said you know what i want right now a fucking broccoli tart (laughs) 
Like, you're better off, even in high-class society parties, you're better off just serving fucking pigs in a blanket. <laughs> fucking broccoli tarts. I was like, Suki, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> she made 9,000 broccoli tarts. No, like, even if they even if they had done the job, they wouldn't have... They would not have gotten, like, eaten, all of them. No, it would not have happened. Come on, you, okay, even if you go to a party and there's broccoli tarts, you're going to take one fucking broccoli tart, (laughs) you're going to shove it in your fucking face, and then you're not going to take another one. Exactly. No matter how good the broccoli tart is. (laughs) Because nobody goes to a fucking cocktail party and is like, I want broccoli tarts. (laughs) Excuse me, waiter, where are the broccoli tarts? (laughs) No, my God, that pissed me off so much. <laughs> Anyways, okay, so rant over about the broccoli tarts. I want a spinoff podcast where you just yell at me about broccoli tarts. Oh, my God, I can go on and on with these fucking broccoli tarts, but I'm not gonna. Oh. Um, what I wanted to say with that is that, like, fine, I get your dorm room was noisy. I get it's not an environment conducive to studying. Go to a fucking library, right? Yeah. But you're you're so fucking overwhelmed and you're running around. You're like, oh, I'll go home. It'll give me some time and like I'll crack the books when I get home, you know? Yeah. And then you get home and you realize that you can't. So you're like, instead of, I don't know, going to, I don't know, somewhere in Stars Hollow, going to a cafe, going somewhere, you know, trying to make the best of it because you drove all this way. At least let me study somewhere. Mm hmm. You know, you drive back to Yale, go back to your dorm room, and of course it's still noisy. So then you're wandering around. Like, you're wandering. Yeah. She's just procrastinating at this point. Yeah, no, for sure. Now that you say it, it's like it's it's 100% procrastination. I'm on sorry, I've been there, and no, you're procrastinating. You're fooling yourself if you think that you drove all the way to Stars Hollow because it was major bedroom studying. No, no, bitch. Okay, but like, okay, so before I get into all of my thoughts about this and the yeah, tree. Yeah, I the tree part yet, by the way. <laughs> yeah, okay, so she finds it. So, so she finds a tree and the tree cures all of her problems, all of her woes. She can study in the, under this fucking tree that's magical, apparently, fits her back perfectly, blah, 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 blah. Like, that was such a dumb thing to say to a human being. <laughs> if somebody had told me, can you please get up because I need this tree because it fits my back pro- properly? Like, but like, yes, 911, your inmate has escaped because you're fucking nuts. <laughs> you're nuts. Uh, but I just have to say, in terms of the tree and setting under a tree, okay, cool. Like, to each his own. If you can, if, if you work that way, cool. Like, personally, would be able to focus studying under a tree. Like, I, I've. I do read outside in the summer and have been known to sit, to sit under a tree, but, like, only for so long because it's just, you know, not comfortable for five hours at a time, let's say. But, Jeffrey, did it fit your back perfectly? It didn't. No tree well, fits my back really. What the hell does that even mean? <laughs> Jeffrey, that was the problem, okay? You didn't have the perfect lumbar support. Oh, excuse me. Okay, I'm going to continue searching this summer for the perfect reading tree for my back. Oh, my God. Anyway, but I'm sorry. You can't you can't study in, in your living room because it's serious bedroom study. But you can study in, under a tree. Yeah, no, I don't understand that. And even when she's trying to say, by the way, not only does she go to Stars Hollow once to try and study in her bedroom, but at the end of the episode, she goes back to Stars Hollow. <laughs> yeah, she does. Why? And you know why? To tell your mother that you found a fucking study tree. 
No, not even. She goes, she goes back to complain. She goes back in the end to complain that someone stole her study tree. She tells her about the study tree on the phone. So she goes back in the end to complain about losing the study tree. Regardless, you are procrastinating. You know how many trees are at Yale? Find another tree. And act like a child, first of all. Yeah. No, 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 no. Find another fucking tree Mm -hmm. that has perfect lumbar support because if you found one chances are you're gonna find another one you know why because it's all in your fucking head rory <laughs> oh my so God. i do have to say in regards to rory and the study tree which sounds like you know winnie pooh and the honey tree um <laughs> is what bothers me so much about this is there's it's multiple things multiple things oh yeah First of all, being that it bothers me because I was Rory, and I just you know, like, and I I grew and I grew out of that I grew out of that head that headspace and and being in that maturity level that she's at right now, and it's like it bothers me when I see people and it's mostly characters, whereas like I see fictional characters, it's like I was you, I know you, like cut the bullshit, like it just it's annoying because you know somewhere beneath the surface like this is just all an act like you said it's procrastination it's overwhelmed it's over being overwhelmed it's being anxious it's all the all of the above so i that's why it makes me angry first of all um but like i also think that in the fandom i've there's been a lot of you know bitter comments about this about, about this episode and the study tree and rory being a privileged twat in terms of excuse me this is my study tree like imagine saying that to someone this is my study tree um okay. <laughs> so the reason the reason it bothers me, um, and I I don't uh, so I'll, I'll preface this by saying that I really do hate in the fandom where people are like Rory's the worst. I don't know. Like yeah. if you don't like Rory, that means you don't like the show. <laughs> like just let's let's be honest. Pretty much. Um, you can you can one hundred percent disagree with some of Rory's decisions, like I just did. Um. And, you know, with, with her character flaws and you can, you can do all that and whatever, it's your prerogative to hate her too. Um, the, the reason I have such a problem with this episode is not because I hate Rory, which I think is what a lot of people, a lot of people use this episode as an excuse to say like, look how white privilege she is, like whatever, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The reason I hate this episode and this scene in particular is not because um, of all that, is because I in this scenario, I recognize what this is. This is you being overwhelmed. This is you being on the verge of a mental breakdown, which is happening very soon. Mm-hmm. And I also don't like the fact, so it's very hard to recognize that in yourself, especially when you've been told all these years that you're the best and you're perfectionist and whatever. I also don't like the fact that nobody else kind of recognizes it. Mm-hmm. And by yeah. nobody else, I mean Lorelai. <laughs> Yeah. So I know it's not her. Well, I mean, it kind of is her job. (laughs) But, you know, Rory's an adult now and I get that. But do you think that maybe your daughter stressing over a study tree is a little bit problematic? Yeah. And not being able to study at a university that was literally made for her to study at. Do you think that maybe that's a red flag, Lorelai? For sure. Yeah. Do you think that every time your daughter has to study... You think it's normal that she wants to drive an hour each way or half an hour each way? Yeah. Do you not think that there's a problem here? 
And that's another reason why season like this this aspect of season four hits a little too close to home for moi because mm-hmm. like I was the same way in that like in like my first year of college CJEP whatever you want to call it um like I had spent most of my how shall I say academic career of like elementary school and high school just being the like the kid that nobody really had to worry about and yeah okay I struggled with you know this subject or that subject but it was never that serious and even if it was serious like we figured it out like I feel like most of my life was occupied by living up to this perfect ideal that I had in my head of I'm like I'm perfect and you know I don't do I don't do this that doesn't happen to me like this uh, you know, X, Y, Z doesn't happen to me because I am the perfect student, even though I never said that out loud. But I feel like in my head, I always had that this internal dialogue of, well, I am not that kind of student. I'm this kind of student who gets everything done early and who does this and that because I'm perfect and, and et cetera. So I feel like because I'd always lived like that and portrayed myself as this competent, you know, smart individual, shall we say, that other adults just didn't really know that there was a bunch of other things happening and bubbling beneath the surface so that when you know I did start having breakdowns it was just to them it was out of the blue and they didn't really get where it was coming from and it was just hard and it was like hard for me to have to go back and explain like these were warning signs that no one including myself like I took responsibility but it was like no these are these were warning signs that nobody picked up on and not, I didn't blame anybody in particular, but it was like these were warning no, signs. It's that, not blame. It was, it's not about like, blame. Yeah, but it was like these were signs that nobody picked up on. Um, this is why this happened. Like I we never really had an outright, an outright conversation about it, but it was just like the reasons why this happened. I look back now and I'm like, yeah, I see that, and I see a lot of myself in Rory, and I would never have like you know said to someone, this is my study tree, but like hypothetically if the designated spot in the library in college that I had picked that, you know, if I study in this spot on this day, nothing will go wrong and I will pass this test because I studied in my spot. Like I had, I developed these just really, really unhealthy, obsessive, compulsive rituals surrounding success in schoolwork. And so if hypothetically someone was sitting in my perfect spot on that day, um, I would never have ever said, um, can you move? This is my spot. But in my head, I would have had a total like silent meltdown about how I can't sit in that spot and now I'm going to sit in another spot and this spot is not as good as that one and so now I'm not going to study as well and I'm not going to do well on the test and life as we know it is over. So like I see myself in Rory and her thought process in that like this is serious bedroom study. I just wish I could go back and tell myself that like it's not that deep and you're and you're overwhelmed and you're always on the verge of a breakdown because you're always overwhelmed and um, just take a breath. It's okay to slow down. Listen, no. I, I completely understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I had gone home and told my mother, so there were weekends where um, before like finals week or midterms, or if I had a lot of papers coming up, I would, there were weekends where I would go downtown and go to the library, right? The yeah. meaning McGill's library, the university's library. Mm-hmm. And, um, if I were then to go home, uh, let's say, so I'd get there, let's say at 10 a.m. And if I get home at 7 p.m., if I were then to go home and tell my mother, mom, you'll never believe what happens. Like, oh my God, are you okay? And if I were to then tell her that someone was sitting in the spot that I wanted to sit in 
and I paid him $20 to move. <laughs> my mom would be like, okay, pack your shit. We're going to see a psychiatrist. <laughs> Maybe not to that extent, but she'd be like, okay, I think you're like really losing, not losing it, but she'd be like, are you okay? Like, I think you're overwhelmed. Like, what's going on? Yeah. You know what I mean? And I understand it's a show and I get it and I know. No, but I think that's what I think that that's an, that's an important thing to bring up is that yes, it's a show, and yes, it's supposed to be funny that <laughs> Rory is so gets so riled up and so uptight about studying that she pays someone twenty dollars for this spot. And like I, the first two times I watched this, I'm like, I get that. Like you know, I get needing that one spot that's perfect, no distractions, and get things done. Listen, I, think- I get it too. But now I know that you know when I used to walk into the metro and somebody was sitting in my seat, mm-hmm. and I would freak out. I knew that I needed medication at that point. <laughs> I think my own personal problem was that, like, I never actually vocalized any of these weird little rituals that I had to anybody because I n- knew that if I said it out loud, it would sound insane. Like, I knew it was insane if I said it out loud, but because it was only an internal dialogue, it was, like, fine. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of got worse over time. And, you know, just... I'm still, I'm, I'm, I still find myself, I'm learning those kind of rituals. So yeah, all of that to say, I do understand where Rory is coming from. And I do understand being in a place where you're so overwhelmed that you then just start acting irrationally and freaking out over a quote unquote study tree. Like I get it. Yeah. But I think the more that we, the more that we, that we rewatch and the more that we analyze, it's like, we get that there's other things happening that we're going to see later, you know? No, I get it, and um, if whatever, I just—it's not that I don't, don't see myself in Rory. I absolutely do, mm-hmm. um, but it's just the the frustration for me. If I haven't made myself clear, the frustration for me comes from the fact that like I wish, I wish I didn't have to get to the point where she completely breaks down and has to drop classes and starts crying. Mm-hmm. I wish somebody would like kind of have told her. And that's, I guess, I guess my resentment is more towards Lorelai, um, or even just her, like, Lane, or, Par- like, I wish somebody had just said, like, maybe you need a little bit of break. Yeah. <laughs> You're freaking out over a study tree. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which, like, and it, and it just, it, I, I totally agree when you say that, because, like, again, not to make it all about me, but, like, nobody said that to me either. I'm sure no, like, I don't know if anybody said that to you, but, like, I don't know, to me, like, the culture of you know, young starting college, like unless you have older siblings or older relatives or parents who know, know the system and knows how it works. Like I didn't, like I like, I'm an only child. Like my parents mm-hmm. didn't go to the same kind of college that I go to. Like, right. You know, so no, like I was pretty much by myself figuring it out blind. So it was like, nobody knew to say things. You know, you know so and like, I think, I think where the frustration for me comes from, is that, you know, Lorelai and Roy pride themselves on having such a such a close relationship and we know what mm-hmm. it, it we're thinking and we like you know what I mean? And at this point and I understand that Lorelai has her own shit going on at this point. Um you know, and at that moment where Rory comes home to tell her that this guy took her study tree and she kind of snaps at her, I kinda wish that she'd have been like, Bro, it's just a tree. You need to calm down. Instead yeah. of being like, It's a tree, you're in college, figure it out. You know what I mean? Like it's a cry mm-hmm. for help. Can you not see that, Lorelai? Yeah, for sure. Like it's, if I feel like it's, I feel like we know we 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 recognize it now as a cry for help, but like in the moment, it was probably written as Rory getting like Rory getting Rory Rory being Rory and Rory getting so uptight over having the perfect place to study. And I think 
for like for people like you and me who have gone through that experience it's like it's not so much funny as it is a cry for help like you said yeah for sure um that being said like for re- <laughs> I felt bad for the guy too because she's like um you're reading you're like what is it a mountain bike magazine what was the magazine and it was a tr- it was a trucker magazine trucker magazine so he's like yeah obviously I'm reading it outside because like I didn't think that somebody would want to do serious studying under this fucking tree. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, like go to the library. But that just to me is is where I think I have the problem. I'm like cuz I was watching it and I, I was rewatching it and I was thinking like really Rory, so that means every time you have to do major studying, which is literally always in college, you're going to run home to do bedroom studying or you're going to go to the tree. Like yeah. you need for me, it was more like this girl clearly needs better coping mechanisms. For sure, like you, know, you need to learn how to study in your dorm room, or you need to learn how to study in the library, which is what Yale was made for. You know what I mean? Yeah, or not, like better co- better coping mechanisms in the sense that, like, you could have studied in your bedroom with Tana watching television. You could have just told her to turn it down. But it's like, she was so overwhelmed having either procrastinated or was going to be procrastinating. Like, she just decided to run out and study somewhere else. Like, if pu- if push came to shove, she could have studied in her room. Like, you know that, and I know that. Like, she could have studied in the library. Like, I think it was the fact that she's, like we said, it's a, it's a cry for help. And she's getting to the point of a, a near complete breakdown. And... Yeah. Th- doesn't know how to articulate that for herself so exactly and I, yeah that I think that's a really important point she doesn't even know what she's going through right now right it's, a, it's an important her, point because I think at that age you don't until later and that's what makes it even more painful so. yeah so I think in her mind she's just like oh my god I really can't study in this environment like what the hell it's very noisy blah 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 but like we obviously can realize that it's you you know you're you're not gonna be okay girl yeah <laughs> In a couple of episodes. (laughs) Anyways, I don't know. That was just... It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah. um, So all this to say, it's not because I hate Rory. It's more because I'm frustrated by the fact that nobody can see that Rory is struggling. Okay? Okay. Yeah. It's just like... You would think that... And I think it's an important point to make that... She goes through this kind of isolated. I think that's a realistic portrayal in that, like, for example, you brought up, like, if somebody like Lane had said, hey, I think you're a little overwhelmed. Like, yes, Lane would know if her, Lane should know if her friend's overwhelmed and Lorelai should know if her daughter's overwhelmed. But I think it's like, like I said before, neither of them are in the same kind of college experience or going through the same kind of life experience. So it's like... They don't know, like, they don't know what the right thing to say is, and, again, none, this is, like, all hypotheticals. We don't actually get a scene yeah. where they're like, hey, you're kind of wigging out right now. But, like, just based on my own experience, it's, like, nobody, like, if the if there's silence, it's because nobody really knows what the right thing to say is, and that's just what, that makes it even more difficult. It's like, oh, right, I'm by myself on this. Thanks, you know? Yeah. No, I get it. But also, I think, can we talk about the fact that Lane is not in this episode again? I know. I feel like they, there was a big missed opportunity in season four to have, obviously because Roy goes away to, to school and Lane's no, still in school. But. but it's just, it's also very frustrating at a time where, and even in subsequent times where Rory's really not having a, a good go of things, 
it's also really frustrating that she's she doesn't the writers don't let her lean on her friends yeah they they let her run to fucking dean oh, oh boy we're gonna talk about that yeah we're gonna, have, we're gonna have a lot of feelings when that happens <sighs> anyways where can they follow us jeffrey as per usual, buckle up. Um, they can follow us on tweeters at Gilmore Podcast and on Instagram at Gilmore Girls Podcast. Mm-hmm. And if they want, if you want to email us, uh, you can do so GilmorePodcast at gmail.com. There you go. Do we have a bracket update? We do not. <laughs> Drop uh, the ball no, have- bracket. No, I mean we don't have any results, but I can give them another one. <laughs> Please. Um, because we're into round three. So we're getting closer and closer, ladies and gentlemen, or folks, to um, the best episode ever. And I have a feeling I know who's going to win, but, you know. <laughs> Just keep it under wraps until it actually happens. Of course. Gosh, you know me. Or do you? No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> so... The uh, matchup, the first matchup for the third round is 304, One's Got Class. Yes. Versus 315, Face Off. Oh, that's difficult. Is it? No. I think well, I... the point is that they're getting more and more difficult, right? Because each one has passed round two. Yeah. I think I'd have to go with Face Off. Oh, yeah? Yes, but that's not a final answer. I'm so I that's difficult. Um oh, <laughs> I think I'm gonna go with face off. All right. Well we'll see because you know. Um they're obviously gonna get more difficult, guys, until we narrow it down to the last one. Come on. She's a sadist. She likes to put people in pain. I mean, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going through my own pain, ladies and gentlemen. Aren't we all? Aren't we? Exactly. So we hope you stay safe. Um, we hope you get vaccinated if you have the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Please get vaccinated for the love of God. <laughs> and uh, that's it. We'll see you next time. Yes. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.